God bless and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What we're going to look at today is ye are not your own. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and then in verse 19 we read, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and that's where it came from, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What is true for a man of the world is not true of a child of God. For he in whom God's spirit dwells is the possession of the Lord. Because God's spirit dwells in the Christian and because its origin is of God, then we who have received this spirit are God's. So also, if the life we have, we have because of God, then we are his possession. God's spirit in us, making us the property of he who gave it to us. Ellicott on this verse. There are two reasons why we are not our own. The first is the spirit which is possession of our bodies, is not our own, but is given to us of God. Secondly, we have been bought with a price, even the blood of Christ. It is a completed purchase, our bodies not being our own, to do as we like with. We have no right to give them unto or over to sin. If a man then is a true Christian... This is the reality of his new spiritual life, that it is no longer his own. What makes a believer God's temple is that God now dwells in him and to God and his service he has been consecrated. By having received God's spirit, the believer's body becomes God's temple. John 20 and verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The believer is thus God's, because it was God who gave his son's life to save him, and God whose Holy Spirit now lives in him. Having been sanctified and set apart from a corrupt world through the possession of the Holy Spirit, believers have become the property of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23, we read, And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. It is also because we belong to the Son of God that produces us being God's. It is thus a spiritual reality that those who have the Christ Spirit are Christ's possession. And because Christ is God's, then by being reconciled to God through Christ, they are safely in the fold of God. Our connection to the Son of God, therefore, is what ultimately brings us into being God's possession. To be then Christ's is to be God's, and for this we are eternally thankful. Gill on this verse. And ye are Christ's. This is the ground and foundation of all things being theirs, and shows in what way they come by them, and what gives them their claim and property. They are Christ's 
He has an interest in them and they in him. They are his, not only by creation, as all men are, but by the Father's special gift of them to him, as his spouse and bride, his children, his sheep, his portion, and his jewels. They are his through the purchase of his own blood and by a voluntary surrender of themselves unto him. Under the influence of his spirit and grace, they are his by their profession of him. They have vouched themselves to be the Lord's and call themselves by his name. And they are his by his possession of them and dwelling in their hearts by faith. And all they have are his. Their worst things are his. Their sins are accounted to him and laid on him by imputation and have been born and done away by him. Their griefs and sorrows are his. Their reproaches his. Their afflictions and sufferings his. Their best things are his. Their temporal mercies come from him and through him and all their spiritual blessings. They are blessed within him and all things done by them are done in his strength and by the assistance of his spirit and in virtue of his grace. We are Christ's because Christ died for us to redeem us to God. And we are Christ's because we have willingly given our lives over to him to be used for his purposes. Because we have been given ourselves over to the son of God's possession and since he is God's, then so are we. He who takes possession of anything, if he is a good man, will seek its improvement. This is what Jesus does for us. So that because of our willingness to make him our Lord, then our sins, our shortcomings, and all that would keep us separated from God are removed. In short, Jesus took the worst of us, cleansed, removed, and forgave us for it, while at the very same time, brings us into his own noble, spiritual, and heavenly inheritance. Acts 20, verse 28 now. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he, Christ, hath purchased with his own blood. Overseers in the church, as all true ministers should be, are supposed to feed Christ's church a church also that Jesus has purchased with his own blood. Pool on this verse. Which he hath purchased. Christ, by his bloody death, hath redeemed his church and obtained power to gather it, to rule over it, to protect and preserve it, end quote. Every true Christian is thus the possession of Christ because it was Christ who produced their salvation by dying for them. His death has taken their place in the grave. His losing his life has given them life. Hence, by redeeming sinners from death and providing for them a new spiritual life, those saved by Jesus Christ are now rightfully and legally his in spiritual ownership. Pool on this verse. With his own blood, the blood of Christ, called truly the blood of God, there being in Christ two natures in one person and a communion of the properties of each nature. Now listen to this. 
If Christ had not been man, he could have had no blood to shed. Had he not been God, the blood which he shed could not have been sufficient price of redemption. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of God and knowledge of God who found out such a ransom and the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of Christ who paid this ransom for us, end quote. What it is that makes our redemption both secure and holy is that it is by divine blood that we have been saved. That the true Christian church has been bought by God because also God's blood has purchased it is what produces him, the Christian, being the Lord's legal possession. We then, the people of God, are worth something simply because our lives were purchased by God through a very high cost to himself. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, we read, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Barnes on this verse. And hast redeemed us. The word used here, agarezo, properly means to purchase, to buy, and is thus employed to denote redemption because redemption was accomplished by the payment of a price. To God, that is, so that we become His and are to be henceforward regarded as such or so that He might possess us as His own. This is the true nature of redemption, that by the price paid we are rescued from the servitude of Satan and henceforth to regard ourselves as belonging unto God, end quote. Every soul thus that has been redeemed was obtained through a price consisting of the death of Christ. Jesus is seen as worthy to open the book and the seals depicted therein because it was by his being slain that the church of God has been redeemed from Satan's dominion. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is a great privilege to be partakers of God's divine nature, as only by receiving it can we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. God's Spirit delivering Christians from the lust which controls every sinner around them. As he who has not the Spirit of God in him will be ruled by the lusts that permeate this world. Without receiving God's divine nature, every man would remain corrupt simply because of following a fleshly nature which knows nothing but corruptness. As only those who have been given God's Spirit and the holiness which is produced through it have escaped the corruption of this earth. All others, because of their affection for carnal things, shall be destroyed. Thus in a world of corruption, it is only by receiving God's Holy Spirit that men can be delivered from the lust of this world and its final judgment. Jameson Fawcett Brown. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Sanctification is the imparting to us of God Himself by the Holy Spirit in the soul. We by faith partake also of the material nature of Jesus, Ephesians 5.30. The divine power enables us to be partakers of the divine nature, end quote. It is God's Spirit, along with the blood of Christ, that cleanses and sanctifies the believer from the contamination of the world. 1 Corinthians 6.11 And such were some of you in reference to being in the world, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Through Christ and the Spirit, men are sanctified from a world of corruption and pollution. Through receiving the Spirit also, Christians are washed and justified in God's sight. The agency that does all this is the Spirit which we have received of God, teaching us that if a man has not the Spirit of God, he is still part of a polluted world. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 now. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It is foolish then for men to think that mere water baptism is enough to sanctify them from a sinful world as well as their own carnal flesh. Mere water alone cannot cleanse a man of his sins without the sanctifying presence of the Spirit. Simply because true baptism will consist of being washed with God's Holy Spirit. It is this baptism of the Spirit that Jesus promised to baptize His people with. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, we read, Christ speaking, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. It is also not simply man's outward flesh which defiles him, but it is the evil nature that lives in the sinner's heart, which is the great defilement of life. In Matthew 15, verse 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. To the heart then God sends a more powerful nature than the flesh. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. It is this spirit of God's son that actually sanctifies the believer, not only from the world, but also from his own flesh. And this sanctification can only happen if men have received the spirit of God's son, Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, and this is how, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. From God's Spirit, then shall men receive new hearts that desire to please God and will despise sin. 
Through God's Spirit then shall men also be regenerated to receive a new spiritual life, which likewise shall renew them from within. The Spirit of God sent to a man, actually being the power of God, which shall enable the creation of a new heart within him. A new heart, different and superior to the stony heart of the flesh, which could never have been brought into subjection and the worship of God. Ezekiel chapter 36, and then in uh, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Benson on this verse. A new heart also will I give you, a new disposition of mind, excellent in itself and vastly different from what it was before. A frame of soul changed from sinful to holy, from carnal to spiritual, a heart in which the law of God is written, Jeremiah 31, 33, a sanctified spirit, in which the almighty grace of God is victorious and turns it from the world to God and from all sin to all holiness. A state of mind, which is the supernatural gift of God and not wrought in any man by his own power. And I will take away the stony heart, the hard, senseless, unfeeling, inflexible heart, the heart unapt, and averse to receive any divine impressions and to return any devout affections. Out of your flesh, that is out of you, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft and tender heart that has spiritual senses exercised and is conscious to itself of spiritual pains and pleasures, a heart of quite another temper, hearkening to God's law trembling at his God's threats, molded into a compliance with his whole will, disposed to be, to be, or to suffer what God wills, receiving the divine impress as soft wax receives the impress of the seal. I will put my spirit within you, my enlightening, regenerating, and sanctifying spirit, that Holy Spirit which is given to and dwells in all true believers, and cause you, sweetly and powerfully, yet without compulsion, to walk in my statutes, in all my ordinances and commandments, and that from judgment, choice, and affection. For our spirits, when renewed by God's Spirit, to a disposition conformed to His holiness, readily comply with His will in all things." concur with his designs, and become workers together with him. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. You shall be willing and able to perform all acceptable obedience and to live a life of universal holiness and righteousness, end quote. See, God must send his own holy nature from heaven into men's hearts so that their souls may be saved from a fleshly nature, 
that because of its propensity to lust will lead all its subjects to death. There is a responsibility, though, when men are brought into being the people of God and have received God's Spirit. For none can become one of God's own and not be accountable to God. By God making us His own will come also the spiritual responsibility to depart from sin. In Amos chapter 3, verse 2 now, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Once God has chosen a people to be his own, then not only does his favor open up to them, but also if they do sin, so will come divine punishment. The closer we are brought to God, then the more that is demanded of us. Becoming the people of God will demand that we walk in his ways, and if we do not, then God has said that we will be punished for our iniquities. To also only the chosen will God make himself known, as God will not fully reveal himself to those who are not his, but only those who are. Barnes on this verse of Amos 3, 2. You only have I known. Such care had God had of Israel, so had he known them, and made himself known to them, as if he had, in comparison, disregarded all besides. As he remained unknown by them, knowledge among people is mutual, and so it seemed as if God knew not those of whom he was not known. Whence our Lord shall say to the wicked, I never knew you, Matthew 7, 23. And contrawise, he says, I am good shepherd, and know my sheep. I am known of mine. Myriads of cities and lands are there under the whole heaven, and in them countless multitudes, but you alone have I chosen out of all, made myself known and visible among you by many miracles, chosen you out of a bitter, unbearable bondage, trained you by my law to be well-pleasing to me, Fence you with protection, brought you into the land promised to your fathers, enlightened you with prophecies, not, I deem, as though in the time of Israel and of the Old Testament there were not in the whole world some good people and predestinated, but because God did not then choose any nation or whole people save the children of Israel. For it was meet that that people of which God willed to be incarnate, should be distinguished by some special grace. Therefore will I punish you, to despise God and neglect the Lord's procuring destruction to those who have known Him or been known of Him and been spiritually made His own. I made you my own people, friends, sons, As a father, I cherished, protected, exalted you. Ye would not have me as a father, you shall have me as a judge. As Israel has, in its elect, been glorious above all, so, in the reprobate, has it been made viler than all, both before God and before people. How much more Christians, and, among Christians, priests, 
It has been of old believed that the deepest damnation will be that of ungodly priests. Yet since almost all punishment in this life is remedial, the saint admits another meaning, that God would leave no sin unchastened in those whom he had made his own, end quote. The true children of God, like with Israel before them, are singular in being God's people. You only have I known. But with this privilege comes great responsibility. And if it is abused or neglected, comes great punishment. The people of God, therefore, will not simply be the most blessed if they follow God's will, but can suffer severe consequences by rebelling against it. Being God's chosen, carrying with it much higher standards compared to the world around us. Once we are God's, therefore, we should not be surprised if we are punished for our iniquities. Our relationship with the Father, as now being His sons, demands that spiritual chastisement must take place whenever there is unrepentant sin. He then, who has God as His Father and is the possession of God, should not feel nor be misled to think that continuing in sin is an option without suffering punishment for it. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Matthew Henry on this verse. Every man is the servant of the master to whose commands he yields himself. Whether it be to the sinful dispositions of his heart, in actions which leads to death, or the new and spiritual obedience implanted by regeneration, end quote. It should be noted as well that to whom or to what a man is willing to yield his body, whether it be to the sin in his body or to God in his heart, shows us if he is saved or not. The sinner, therefore, who still desires to remain a sinner, will refuse to forfeit any true control of either his body or his life to God. As those who prefer sin as their master will not yield to either God or his spirit as their new master. See, the great battle that every saved man has won is that he was willing to depart from the sin nature that previously controlled him and instead was willing to give both his body and soul to God. Allowing the Lord to take possession of his life, actually resulting in life being saved. What a man yields to will then tell us who he really is. As those who are willing to yield to God's rule are God's, even as those who prefer sin's rule will remain being the possession of sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 now, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. It is foolish for any to believe that spiritual sonship will not bring with it, if it is applicable, divine chastisement. Every true son of God then will, if received as God's own, need to endure God's correction. All therefore who will refuse the Lord's correction, you can know are not 
nor have ever been considered God's true sons. Hence those who do not think that God has the right to correct either their hearts or their lives are surely not the children of God. For every true child of God will willingly give himself over to the Lord's correction. Because also he knows himself to be a son of God, then it is perfectly right that God has every right to correct whenever sin will manifest itself in him. Since God then is the true Christian's father, all the rights of a father are his, and every father has the right to chasten the sons he has birthed. Hebrews chapter 12, this is from Barnes. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. There is also a quotation from Proverbs 3. It means that it is a universal rule that God sends trials on those whom he truly loves. It does not, of course, mean that he sends chastisement, which is not deserved, or that he sends it for the mere purpose of inflicting pain. That cannot be. But it means that by his chastisements, he shows that he has a paternal care for us. He does not treat us with neglect and unconcern, as a father often does his illegitimate child. The very fact that he corrects us shows us that he has towards us a father's feelings and exercises towards us a paternal care. If he did not, he would let us go on without any attention and leave us to pursue a course of sin that would involve us in ruin. To restrain and govern a child, to correct him when he errs, shows that there is a paternal solicitude for him and that he is not an outcast. And as there is in the life of every child of God something that deserves correction, it happens that it is universally true that whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, whom he receives or acknowledges as his child. This is not quoted literally from the Hebrew, but from the Septuagint. The Hebrew is, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. The general sense of the passage is retained, as is often the case in the quotations from the Old Testament. The meaning is the same as in the former part of the verse, that everyone who becomes a child of God is treated by him with that watchful care which shows that he sustains towards him the paternal relation, end quote. The very fact that God is said to scourge his children shows us how serious the Lord is in punishing sin in his children. Sin is not a small thing to God, and especially so in the saved. So that if necessary, God's whip will be used to drive sin away from those he has made his own. Proverbs 23 verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. It is thus correction that delivers men from hell. This is true of earthly children and the children of God. God's word is thus given, and if necessary, his correction, not only to prevent sin, but to prevent men from the end of sin, which is death. In James chapter 1, verse 15, we read, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Every child of God should be thankful for this reality, that God's correction of them, if it is received and believed, 
will save them from hell. For he who is not corrected by God, because he is God's, has no other destination than hell. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, we read now, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now verse 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. The world and the willing bastards in it should not rejoice that they do not receive correction from the Lord. For this only proves that they are not gods and have no portion in any of his eternal plans. Because also sinners have chosen to remain their own and have rejected God's ownership of them, what happens to them will be of their own making. Understanding also that if we are not God's possession, then there cannot be any eternal life waiting for us. Simply because God will save and bring to heaven only those who are his own, those also who by their own free will have allowed themselves to lose physical and personal identity in order to become sons of God. To the sinner, this concept will seem unreasonable and repugnant. But to the saved, there is nothing about God's control of their lives that is either displeasing or dissatisfying. Simply because they know that they are not their own, but are the possession of God, Almighty, through God's Son, Jesus Christ. And this is able to be proven because also the Spirit that lives in them, they have of God. Amen.